Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Lasser. I'm Yarina Sancion, and this is Bilingual in America. Hi, I'm Yarina Sancion. In honor of Bring Your Child to Work Day, Co-host Suzanne Lasser and I shared the Bilingual in America platform with Abraham and Emil, our respective bilingual sons. In the first part of this episode, the boys interviewed a language role model from their lives. During the later part, my son Emil and I continued to speak with Miss De Andrade, his language teacher as we discuss the seal by literacy available now for high school students. Let's enjoy. High school student Emil Rodriguez interviewed Miss Marcela de Andrade, his language teacher. Senora de Andrade shared her trilingual roots as a 17-year-old young adult who spoke Portuguese as her first language. Coming from a family of teachers, she easily followed the family legacy. Let's listen in as she speaks with Emil and me, Yarina Sancion. We'd like to welcome today Marcela de Andrade. Uh, she is a language teacher in Connecticut, and she happens to be my son's language teacher, and we feel so blessed and honored to have her both as a guest and as a teacher in our lives. So welcome to Ilinquin America. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and, you know, to talk about such an important topic these days, being bilingual, being able to speak, uh, you know, a second language. It's one of the 21st century skills. So it's really a pleasure and a blessing to be able now to share that passion, just not just with my students in the classroom, but now, you know, in this podcast with you all. Beautiful. So I'm going to let Emil ask the first question. Senora, could you tell us a little bit of the roots of your trilingual journey? I was born and raised in Brazil. So my first language is actually Portuguese. And I moved here in 2001 when I was, you know, 17, finished uh, high school. When I learned English, I was actually learning my second language, you know, Portuguese and English. And at the same time, I learned English while I was waiting to go to school, you know, we didn't have any Brazilian channels. I was watching the Hispanic shows, you know, Spanish channels. So that's actually how I actually learned Spanish at first time. So when I, when I went to high school, most of my colleagues in my classes were, you know, Spanish were the first language, was their first language. I always had like a very easy time learning languages. So I picked up really easily on English. So I would help them but I would have to say things in Spanish. So that's kind of like, you know, that exchange with those students from Ecuador, Argentina, Peru, that kind of like helped me polish my Spanish that I learned watching telenovelas and other, you know, newscasts and things like that. So that helps like brush it up a little bit. And that's how, you know, I became trilingue. <laughs> I always love when people use their natural resources, like you use people around you, you use television to support yeah. all of your language learning yeah that's um, I mean that is and I think like at Denver High School 
we are so blessed because we have such a diverse group of students in, you know, in the whole entire building. And I honestly, when I was at Denver High School, I only took one year of language because since I was an uh, language, English language learner, back in the day, you needed to be at a certain level of uh, ESL classes or ELL classes to be able to take a language. So I only took a language my last year of high school. And when I took, you know, when I got to the classroom, I basically spoke more Spanish than the teacher because wow. I had all of, you know, all of my classes, I had a lot of Spanish speakers and, you know, I used to TA for my uh, former ESL teacher and, you know, his class that I TA for, like I was a teacher assistant, it was like mainly, you know, Hispanic. So I was using Spanish basically all day long in school. And, and I think it's beautiful. I tell my students, especially, you know, the, the American students that you can learn some things here in the classroom and just try it out in the cafeteria because, you know, every other desk, every other uh, table that you walk by, there's always someone speaking Spanish. And especially now that we have a big influx of students who speak Spanish and Portuguese, that's a beautiful resource for you to use while you're here. So there's no reason for you to go anywhere else. All you need to practice what you learn in the classroom, it's out there for you in the hallways. Wonderful. Yeah. That um, makes me think. So is that what inspired you to become a teacher then? So I come from a family of teachers. My mother, when we were living in Brazil, she was actually an elementary teacher. So teaching was always, it's in the blood. I I say that because my own kids, my seven-year-old and my 14-year-old talk about becoming teachers. So, you know, I had no escape in there because, you know, even in my school in Brazil, like when we learned that we were going to come to the United States, my father actually paid private lessons of English for us. So we would travel to another town and have like, uh, you know, two hours, the whole Saturday of, you know, English as a second language. When I returned to my hometown during the week and I was going to school, you know, the English teacher was not really fluent in English. We would learn about the language. So I would basically kind of like teach what I learned Saturday in the class to my, to my classmates during the week in school. So I was always like tutoring my friends. So it's kind of like something that was very natural to me to become a teacher. And a lot of times people ask, like, what are your techniques that you engage students? And I was like, I don't really have a specific technique. Being a teacher for me is so natural that it just flows. Like when I'm in the classroom, it just flows. And, you know, I make connections with the students really quickly. So I was like, there's nothing I can list for you, like from the top of my head that say, oh, I do this. And then the the students get engaged. You know, it's very natural to me. It's part of my personality to be a teacher. And my brother is also a teacher. Uh, He's an assistant principal at a middle school in Stanford. And my aunts and, and, you know, in Brazil and cousins are also teachers. So it's something that I kind of grew up with. And it, it just became so natural, just a natural choice of career for me. What a beautiful way to continue to live your family legacy. Really, that is your family legacy. Yes, it is. Senora, what is a memorable teaching moment? There are a lot. But when I started teaching, I started teaching fifth grade. It was a brand new program. I was a brand new teacher. And I had like, I was like, how am I going to do this? Like there was no, we didn't have a book. I just had a curriculum that was given to me and it was like, teach it. That first year, those first two years were very memorable because I would do, it, it wasn't like we have our classes structured now in high school. You know, it was more like mainly conversational and we did a lot of songs because, you know, I like music a lot. Uh, you know, I sing in my church, praise and worship group. So music is very part of who I am as well. 
So I would sing songs to my students. And then during lunch break, uh, they would sit by my window because my classroom faced the playground and they would sit by my window and sing all the songs that we learned during the week. So when I went to the Denver High, uh, to the Brookfield High School, uh, you know, a couple years later, I got my first group of students as students in the high school. So from fifth graders to like freshmen, sophomore. And the first thing that they did when they walked into my class, it was to sing the good morning song that we sang together in fifth grade. So that was like, you know, a very proud moment that I had, you know, cause that stuck to with them and they continue taking Spanish. And most of them, they took AP language and they, you know, they took the seal of biliteracy exam and they passed it. So, you know, having that first group and then seeing them again in high school was a very, you know, proud teaching moment for me. Absolutely. And there's nothing more powerful than when you teach something and then you hear them use it when they're away from you. You know, Neil this week gave me, you know, one of those moments when he emailed me entirely in Spanish. So, you know, I was really happy to see that Uh, he's was asking about a a link that I posted for them uh, on a Thursday that I had to take a day and it wasn't working. And he told me everything in Spanish. And I'm like, I'm so proud of, you know, when students, uh, you know, walk by me in the hallway and say, hola, senora, como estas? It's very, I get very proud because they are so comfortable. And first of all, greeting a teacher in the hallway, which usually they don't do. And second of all, they do it in Spanish. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'm really happy right now at DHS. I'm having a lot of moments like that too. Abraham Biggs and co-host Suzanne Lasser had the opportunity to chat with third grader Arshia Dewan. Her family is from Mumbai, India, and while Arshia was born in White Plains, New York, she has learned to speak, read, and write in Hindi. When Arshia isn't participating in dance, she's doing well at school learning to speak Spanish in her dual language classroom. She is a caring and funny young lady, as well as a wonderful big sister. Let's listen in as she shares with Abraham and co-host Suzanne. Hi, I'm Abraham Biggs, and today Emil and I are hosting Bilingual in America. I had a chance to speak with Arshia Dewan, a student in my dual language class who I've known since kindergarten. Let's listen to her talk about India, Hindi, and Spanish. Where were you born, Arshia? I was born in America, my plans. Where were your parents born? Uh, my parents were born in Mumbai in India. I was born in my plans too, but my parents aren't from Mumbai. Is Hindi the only language spoken in India? Uh, well, uh, I speak Hindi. I know a little bit of Urdu, um, but most people in India speak uh, Urdu or Marathi. Mm. So there are three languages then? Yeah, and then they also speak Gujarati. Oh, wow. Okay. What is India like? Um, well, India is super, super hot. Um, like in Mumbai, it's um, like it never snows. But in some places like Kashmir, it's like it's cold and it snows there. I know about cold because I have family in Vermont. Does your family in India live in a city like White Plains? So my mom and dad are from a city, um, but it's not like White Plains. It's basically like, like basically like New York, like as big as that. 
After they were born in Mumbai then. Can you read and write in Hindi? I can read and write in Hindi. Okay. We are learning Spanish together in school. Is Spanish or Hindi harder to learn? Um, well, Spanish is kind of harder because, like, since my mom and dad are from India, we usually speak Hindi. So just Hindi just comes naturally for me. What's your favorite Indian dish? Well, I really um, like this thing called um, paneer. It's like my favorite dessert would be um, something called galab jamun. It's like um, it's like a, a circular shape and it's very yummy. Ooh. Can you teach me um, or say something in Hindi? Well, namaste means hello, uh, hello. And like, if you want to say like, how are you? It's basically like, tum kaise ho? But like, if you're saying to your mom, then you wouldn't say tum. You would um, say aap kaise ho? Like, because that's respect. I guess I hope. Me, like, so me achihu, or like, well, I'm going to say me achihu. If you say me achihu, like, as in like, I'm good, then um, you would basically say, you would basically be a girl when you say, because <laughs> you have to say me, um, me achahu, otherwise you'd just be like a girl saying it. So, so say me achahu. Me achahu. Arshia, I have a couple of questions. I've been listening to you and Abraham talk. When was the last time that you went to India? Do you remember? Um, that was probably last year, February 12th. Oh, wow. So just last year. How beautiful. Yeah, we go every February, but like in like 2020, 2021, since COVID started, we didn't go. Okay. How lucky that you were able to go so recently then. And... I remember when you guys were a little bit younger and they had the talent show at George Washington that you had performed. Yeah, like my, every time my mom introduces Abraham, she usually calls him the guy who did the split. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so he yes. did the split and you performed your traditional dance. And so I'm wondering, do you still keep up with your traditional dance? Well, I stopped Bollywood. Um, because like, but I started a dance called Kathak. So Arshia, one of the things I always wonder about is when children are young, like you and Abraham, why do you feel it's important to learn to speak more than one language? I think it's like really important to know languages, um, like lots of languages, because then like maybe if you travel to some place, you know, like maybe if I travel to India, I would be, um, people talk, I'll be able to understand them. Absolutely. And I know you guys are, are young still, right? You're only in third grade, but when you're older, like mom and dad, how do you think maybe knowing Hindi and English and Spanish will help you in your career? So um, maybe like uh, for like Spanish, Maybe uh, if I like, maybe I'll get a job if I, because I'm dual language, and it's like maybe they have like this um, a person who's really good but speaks Spanish, so they need someone to translate. Mm, absolutely. My goal is to work in Google because my mom works in Google. Mm, mom's an engineer, right? 
Yes. So that would be amazing, right? And uh, Google's a huge company and it's only getting bigger. One thing I'm excited about in Google is um, there's a cafeteria and there's basically all the junk you would want. So I'm basically excited to go there. You're lucky. <laughs> well, that listen, it definitely doesn't hurt to have uh, good food offered as part of the one of the perks of, of a job, right? So Arshia, is there anything else you wanted to share with us about your journey in, you know, being of Indian descent, born here in White Plains like Abraham, but having so many family members um, in a different country, learning to speak Hindi, learning about the, the language, the traditions, and then also at school participating in learning both in English and Spanish. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Um, well, in Hindi, there's, um, well, there's the Bali that we did um, in our classroom, but there's also um, another holiday called Holi. Holi is basically like a holiday that where you use colors and you throw them at each other, so... Basically, you take up so like um colored powder and you throw it at people. Whenever we do holy, we have to do like wear sunglasses because then we'll get color in our eyes. Yeah, and that would that, that would not be good, right? That could hurt. Last time I did it, um, yeah. I got I got color in my mouth. So like oh, oh so you definitely <laughs> remember, right? Yeah. Not, not they went on my teeth. They went on my teeth everywhere. So <laughs> no. I, I got like. So you had like a rain, you had rainbow effect on your teeth, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you better not get in your eyes. You're gonna look end up looking like my dog's eyes. <laughs> yeah, our dog has red eyes right now. And so when do you guys celebrate that holiday? What time of year? We celebrated like in November, you know, like I think November somewhere. Mm, okay. So those are two holidays that we've now learned about. I remember Abraham came home from school and had um, shared with us. It's so nice to be able to learn about other cultures from people who actually experience those directly. Thank you for talking with me, Arshia. Continue to speak your beauty. Bye. While I may not be able to take Abraham to work or take your child to school day, I can have him help out and learn more about our passion project, the Bilingual in America podcast. This mom is super proud of the work that he did and the conversation he had with Arshia. Thanks for listening. Emil and I continue to speak to Senora de Andrade, who gives us a scoop on the seal of biliteracy. So the seal of biliteracy, it's basically a proficiency uh, exam that is ACTFO. It's the American Council for Teaching a Foreign Language. They, we have to do that when we, grad, like when we are about to graduate in order to get our uh, langu uh, language certification to become language teachers, we do a proficiency test and we have to get a certain level of proficiency in order to come into the classrooms. This is something that it wasn't done back in the day. It's something fairly new. I would say in the past like 10, 15 years, that's when they started with that. So now they brought that down to the high school level. So it's, it's a test that they, it's like actually four tests that they take and it's like reading, listening, interpersonal listening and speaking. And if they get intermediate three on all four tests, they will get a, a, a seal printed on their diplomas when they graduated saying they are biliterate in another language other than English. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can take it in many different languages. And I feel like that's such an important, st important step to promoting the learning of second languages in the United States in general, because it's such a needed skill. And we like, we, we, if, when we read like job descriptions these days, bilingual preferred but yet 
at the especially like you know high school middle school levels something's happening that we are not promoting that you know students are continuing with the language they do the their requisition one year two years the most and then they stop but then when they go out looking for a job or you know wanting to be in the workforce out there they don't speak the language so uh, you know i think that bringing the, that idea down to the high school levels will actually help us increase interest in taking a language and with that also we have to develop a program and design a program that aligns with what they're looking for the skills that they're looking for you know even though you do a reading and writing uh you know portion on that test we do not do a fill in the blanks question when we you know take the test so we need to reshape how we teach languages as well in order to just you know to make sure that the proficiency is acquired Moving away from just like ver verb drills, uh, memorizing words, but actually, you know, teaching those words in context, seeing the words in context, and actually teaching topics that are interesting to the students as well, uh, you know, so they can actually use their languages on their daily life. So I think the, the biliteracy test brings a lot of change to the table in regards to teaching a language. This is so interesting because I recently heard someone speaking at a, at a language conference and he said that so much has changed in bilingual and multilingual education, but the thing that still hasn't made a big enough change or movement is public perception. And I feel like uh, something like that is a clear communication that it's important and that the public be aware, like, wow, this is so important that I wanna have that seal on my diploma. Yes. Yeah. And in the, at Denver High School, we are in like baby steps with the seal. So like, you know, one of the things that I think needs to get better for next year is like promoting it more. You know, right now they promote it, but it's like, you know, there are flyers around the school. But the school that I worked for before coming to Denver, we were already doing the seal of biliteracy test for like three years. So we had a really like well-developed way of, you know, promoting it. Uh, we would go out into the news and, you know, explain. And then when students got their seal back, we would have the reporter come in and we would do like news about it. So it was, it's becoming a very big thing. Like, you know, I think for the coming years, we are like, you know, developing the classes and it's going to become very big in Danbury. And it's not only Spanish, like we can have students taken in, in any languages that they speak at home. Chinese or Mandarin, uh, Arabic, uh, German, Portuguese. So there are all these languages that we also have in our community that are eligible as well to have the seal on their diplomas. And that also opens up the door for us to offer more languages besides, you know, we all, in Denver High School, we offer four, uh, Spanish, Italian, Mandarin, and French. But that opens up the door for more languages to come to the school as well. Absolutely. What a wonderful opportunity. And I'm yes. so excited that it's really growing nicely and, and being, you know, thought of as an asset. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's going to help change the perception a little bit. And one of the things that I was thinking, and this is a quote that I actually have as part of my signature and my um, school email from uh, Florida Lewis, is that learning a language is not just learning words, other, wo uh, other words, you know, like how to say but it's learning a different way of thinking. It's not just learning the list of words, but as you learn a language, 
part of like being in the classroom is like teaching the culture of people who speak that language. So it, it changes your perception, how you view certain points in Latin America, things are not viewed that way. So that's why certain be behaviors happen. So, you know, when you teaching the language effectively, you don't only teach the kids how to say things in that language, but you know, their perception of the population of the culture changes as well. They learn about it. So they understand more about the people and the countries, geography, you know, any topic related to, you know, language learning. What you're saying is so impactful. Like we're really talking about connecting to each other through our humanity. You yes. know, it's, it's not just like, that's a group of people over there and I'm disconnected. Like we are all connected in more ways than we realize. Well, your students are very, very blessed to have you. And I know I mean, wants to give his special um, last word. Thank you for being here, Senora de Andrade. It's, well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I yeah. also feel like your ability to share part of your casual life away from work, it creates a more comfortable environment for the classroom. And it allows us to articulate about, you know, ourselves, not just because it's, say, an assignment or an activity, but because we actually want to. And I thank you for that, because I feel like it's a new aspect of classrooms now that not many teachers can pull off, but you do it naturally and you do it very well. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me cry, Emil. <laughs> Thank you for your interest in the stories we share by sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm Bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast. You are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us, like us, share us.